Good afternoon, the back community. Uh, thank you as always for staying involved. Thank you for staying engaged. Uh, today we're going all the way to the city of brotherly love, uh, to the city uh, of uh, everyone from Freeway to Beanie Siegel, uh, to Meek Mill. You know, we're going all the way uh, to, uh, uh, to Philadelphia today. And we're going to be talking all things math uh, with Professor Akil uh, Parker. And uh, I, I got a chance to get a glimpse of, of, of what uh, Professor Parker was, uh, was working on. And I was like, man, I got to get you on the back community. So uh, first things first, uh, Professor Parker, thank you for uh, affording us your opportunity. Thank you for agreeing to be on the back community. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your platform with me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, this is season four. The, the, the theme of, of season four is to dream bigger, right? So in dreaming bigger, we realize that we have uh, uh, a more access and more reach to people all over the world. And it's important to be able to tell everybody's story and how each of us are uniquely carving out our own spaces to to uh, to give back, to give back and to make a difference. Um, but um, uh, I probably uh, uh, slaughtered it a tad bit, which is why my first official question is uh, uh, for you. Um, uh, Akil, please tell the back community more about yourself. Uh, what kind of work do you do? Um, and here's your opportunity to tell the back community about you. Okay. Well, I am a math professor at Cheney University. Cheney University, the first HBCU, um, unless you're talking to somebody from Lincoln University, which we'll say. <laughs> you um but it really just depends on what criteria you use um they have a valid argument as well but at the same time i don't really have a dog in that fight because i teach at cheney but i got a master's degree from lincoln but mm. you know my art really is at the national treasure at morgan state university where i got my bachelor's from so you know and i i just love hbcus you know across across the board um you know with their even with their some of their flaws you know i still have have love for them as as institutions um, so I've been I've been teaching math on the college level for the past six years. Prior to that, I was a I started teaching high school math back in 2005. So I've been in been in the high the math teaching game for like 18 years, and I've learned a lot, you know, throughout my my tenure, so to speak, in teaching math. And I also started a company called All This Math because I realized the the necessity for math tutoring. And initially back, so I started the company back in 2017. And then that grew into a YouTube channel, you know, and during the pandemic as well, the YouTube channel started in 2020, like around March. And I just started putting up content, you know. Um, so we currently have almost 600 videos. And through the YouTube channel, what I plan to do is teach math to the entire black community because I'm, I know we need it. And I know that math is a, is a tool, not only a tool for um, being able to secure employment and gain access to certain resources, but it's really a... Uh, uh, a tool of liberation, if you will, because it really enables us to understand problem solving on you know basic levels and also on more complex levels. I actually see mathematics and problem solving as synonymous. You know, it's really just it's it's kind of like semantics, really. You know, because we can replace mathematics with problem solving, and we all know that we need to we need to be able to solve problems because we have we have a lot of problems as humans, um, and we need but the problems, when the problems persist, that's when it becomes a real serious issue. So my way of trying to help the community with that is by teaching mathematics, because through mathematics, you know, we can develop our analytical ability, we can develop our critical thinking ability, and we can overall develop our problem solving ability, you know. Um, and also, I also am a writer, you know, I recently published my first book in June called How to Use All This Math, Volume One. And it's really a guidebook for parents, you know, parents, but not elders, grandparents, uncles, aunts, older cousins, godparents, any any adults that have a concern for the well-being um, and the academic well-being, specifically in math, of young people. Because what often ends up happening, and this is, you know, kind of how we've all been conditioned, I think, even myself, is we're conditioned to kind of outsource mathematics to the schools, whether it be a public school, charter school, or private school. Um, and a lot of times our, our children, more often than not, are going into classrooms unprepared for math. They're going into math class unprepared. So, and then they're getting hit over the head with new terminology, new concepts, 
that they're just not used to. And, you know, you notice how a lot of times children don't have the same, they, they don't develop the same type of math anxiety around ELA or English because if English is their first language, they're practicing English on a daily basis mm. very young. So when they go into the ELA class and they see the vocabulary words on the board and they're copying them down, it's like, you know, in their household, their parents might use those, those, those words and that terminology on a regular basis. So they're already kind of familiar. However, when they go into the math class, it's like everything's new. Like what? Like I never knew what a ratio was or a proportion is, or you don't know what a percentage is. You don't understand fractions as a concept. You know, you know, if I had a dollar for every student that told me they hate fractions, right? And I and I believe that's because they never learned the concept of a fraction, right? They're just like, oh, it's just two numbers with a line in between. Well, it's a little, it's a little more to it than that. Um, and a lot of times they that may have never not have ever been explained to them. So what the book does is, I'm taking everyday activities, um, you know going to the store, running errands, going in the kitchen, grabbing stuff, you know, getting a snack or whatever, and just showing how we can leverage those everyday activities into arithmetic lessons and algebra lessons. And then it can be fun. It can be relaxed. It can be enjoyable. And it can be just something that you're doing, you know, with your children and they're, they're in a safe space doing it. So even if they go to a school where it might not be that math class might not be that safe, or it might be kind of a hostile environment for like in, to a certain degree and for certain for different reasons. Um, at least if they're already familiar with a lot of the content, then that space can be more of a space of practice as opposed to a space of primary education. Because when you go into a space and you're expecting primary education, then there's a certain level of vulnerability that's required in order for that to happen. And if I don't feel safe in a space, then I'm not going to want to be vulnerable. So I'm not even going to be really open to even allowing you to teach me, especially if I think like, you know, I think you as a teacher, you might not like me or maybe I don't like you. Or maybe it's like 25 people in the class and I'm not as assertive as I need to be to like in terms of raising my hand, asking questions. So what I'm saying is like I want to enable our families and our communities to be able to have a resource where we can say, OK, I can prepare you for unit conversions. I can prepare you for, you know, ratios, proportions, fractions and all these types of things. So when you go into school, if you, if you go to a school and you're not homeschooled, then it's like, OK, most of the stuff that you're going to see, you'll at least have some familiarity with it. And you'll be more comfortable, you know, you might not still fully understand it in the household, but at least you're not seeing it for the first time and feeling like blind about it. So that's what the, that's what the book is about. And um, and yeah, like I said, like I just I want to teach math to the, to the entire black community. And I want people to know about the YouTube channel. I want parents to know about the YouTube channel because um, I want parents to be able to understand some of the math and, and the, the new math methods. So they'll be able to provide homework help. You know, because I've I've responded to a lot of the complaints and concerns a lot of parents have about not understanding like a lot of the homework assignments that are being sent home. And it's you know, it's understandable. And and actually, quiet as it's kept, a lot of the teachers don't understand the new math. So mm. you know, so they don't really have a, a, a deep, a deep understanding of it themselves. So it becomes even more difficult. They're kind of like a lot of a lot of us. Are, well, it's not really us, but a lot of them are in the classroom, like kind of like. Um, learning how to fly the plane, you know, while they're in the cockpit, you know, while they while they're in the planet. Um, you know, so so yeah, so I definitely just want our people to just be able to um uh, get a hold on mathematics and I'm trying to remove math as an obstacle and re remove math as one of our challenges because like I said, we got we got 99 problems and I I, I don't want math to be one. <laughs> you know? I like it. I like it. <laughs> And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I like the fact that you said you take everyday scenarios that, you know, uh, we commonly see in our own household and uh, uh, you use those scenarios as a way of, of teaching uh, the practicality behind these actual lessons, you know, um, and uh, the way that you're doing it. Um, one, it's it, it's uh, I, I like that you said that you're exposing or the the goal is to expose students to math much earlier than waiting until they actually get into school and i really love that you said that because uh their interaction with it you know i always say in in life exposure and consistency are the two most important ingredients uh baked into almost anything especially for young adults but if you can expose people on a readily basis uh, uh, to how it should be done. And like you said, it makes them less scared. It actually builds up their confidence. So when they do see it, it's just like, oh, I do this at home too. So I right. love that you touched on that and, 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 and realizing that we're not as helpless 
as some people uh, often claim or like to believe when it comes to understanding math. But a lot of it for our scholars or for our students has everything to do with the way that we approach it as adults. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I like that. I like that. What, what, what is it about math? What is it about math? What was it, what was it that always, uh, uh, or that, that piqued your interest that uh, uh, that led you down a career uh, filled with math and an entrepreneurial um, uh, opportunity with math as a, as an author. Well, it's kind of like a, a kind of like a roundabout path. Um, I became a math teacher essentially because I had a baby on the way mm-hmm. back in 2005, and you know I, I was expecting a child. And originally, but prior to that, I was a bank examiner with the FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. That wasn't a good fit for me. It didn't work out. I was about to be fired, but I ended up resigning because, you know, the, the supervisor came to me and was like, you know, if you if you resign, then you don't have a termination on your record. And in the, in the event that you want to get another job with the federal government, it, it looks more favorable on you, you know, that you don't have this termination. So I did that. I resigned and I was kind of looking for my next move. And again, I had a baby on the way. So, you know, I was like, OK, I got to do something. So I kind of started um, doing some after school tutoring. And then that led to some substitute teaching, even though I was trying to stay away from substitute teaching because I was like, I never wanted to be a teacher. You know, I kind of bought into the propaganda of, you know, I don't, you know, these kids are this and these kids are that. And I end up, you know, uh, a lot of people say, you know, asking if you want to be a teacher. And the first thing they say is, man, I end up smacking one of these kids. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. That's what everybody says. So Facts. I kind of bought into that a little bit, too. But then I said, you know what? I think let me let me try this. So I tried. I did a I did a uh, it was a long term substitute opportunity in North Philly. And, you know, the person that ran the agency told me, you know, just go for like, you know, two days, see if you like it. And if you like it, you can stay. If not, you know, I'll find another, you know, uh, placement for you. So I went for the couple, two days and then it was a Friday. And I said, you know, let me think about it over the weekend. And then I sat and I thought and I was real introspective over that weekend. And I was like, you know what? This seems like something that if I dis- if I try to become good at it, I probably could become good at it. Mm-hmm. And that was back in that was back in like early 2005. And, you know, here we are now, like, you know, 18 years later. Um, and it's one of the best decisions I made, you know, and I, I've learned a lot over the over the time. What I'll say is in terms of my appreciation for math, it, I've appreciated it for different reasons at different times in my life. Mm-hmm. When I was young. I was one of the, you know, smarty arty kids that, you know, was known for getting good grades and everything. So I liked you know, I like that type of attention, like from my family, from my, my friends and my peer group, you know, being known as that person. Um, and math to me was real. Like I had a good procedural understanding of math. Right. I didn't have a conceptual understanding. I didn't really know that until I got older and, start, and I started teaching. Um, but, yeah, like I could like, you know, memorize formulas, understand algorithms, recognize steps and processes and then just be able to get to the right answer. And in many ways, when I was young, math reminded me of playing video games. Because video games is very similar because, you know, you're trying to beat the level. You just figure out the pattern. You figure out the pattern. Okay, this guy jumps out at this angle every time he shoots. Okay, all I got to do, like if I'm playing like Shinobi or something, I'm playing Shinobi back. All I got to do, I get to jump up on the roof, (laughs) duck down. The guy's going to throw the star. Then you jump over and kill him with the sword. Boom. And then you just, you you memorize that. You memorize those Mm. processes. Math was the same way. I see an equation. I'm like, okay, this, when the equation looks like this, this is what I got to do. These are the three steps. Boom. I get to the answer. And if it looks like this, this is what I got to do. I do these three steps, get to the answer. So it was like the same thing. So, but again, I had I had some learning gaps because I didn't understand why it worked. So I didn't yes. really understand the concepts, the conceptual. I didn't have the conceptual understanding. I lacked that heavily. But, and that kind of crept up on me sometimes and, you know, kind of caught me slipping and like kind of, you know, knocked me, knocked me over a little bit. But I kind of was, I'm still able to like persist. So through my, my K through 12 experience, I had very strong math grades overall, even though I did have, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of rough patches. Wasn't until like probably within, so I liked the math, but I didn't really love it. It was kind of like, you know, just something to do, like a means to an end type thing. Um, I became a teacher years later and then, you know, I'm teaching, but I still have a procedural understanding. And I'm passing that on to my students early in my career. As years go on and, and then even when like probably really in the last five years, when I started all this math and I started tutoring and I started to also teach on a college level and I'm teaching math methods courses to education majors, then I'm forced to really understand and develop a conceptual understanding of math. So then I'm like, I'm, a, I'm always having these moments where I'm like, 
oh, that's why that works. Oh, that's why that works. Oh, whenever you do this, oh, okay, so that's why this works. And that's why that formula works. And that's why that makes sense. Then I start to develop a love for it because I'm like, whoa, this really makes sense. This actually is kind of fun. And I think back on like times when like I didn't have like that much of a, a appreciation or love for math. And I think it was because I lacked the conceptual understanding. Mm-hmm. I knew the procedures, I knew how to get to the answer, but I didn't really have like, I guess, a close relationship with math because I didn't understand much about it. I just knew it kind of on a superficial level, you know, kind of like, I guess, like when you're dating somebody and you don't really, you don't really like them like that, but you kind of like, you know, you just, you know, you kind of just have like a casual relationship with them. Like mm-hmm. they're cool. You don't really know them like that, you know, but then like somebody like, you know, you fall in love with, you know, mm-hmm. you get to really know them as a person. You, you want to know all the intimate details. Yeah, exactly. So like, so, so now that's the relationship I got with math. Now I used to have a casual relationship with math when I was younger. Now I got a more like close relationship with her. So now it's like, you know, we, you know, we, we rocking and rolling. Right. So that's, you know, that's, that's where I am now. And now I'm just like very over, I guess the past few years, I've just become very determined to just pass that on to students, students that I'm tutoring um, personally um, or students that may watch the YouTube channel and need some math support. I want them to really understand, you know, kind of like, you know, what people say, like, be be the person that you needed when you were younger. Like, you know, so that's what I'm doing with the, with the YouTube channel. Um, also with the the new math parent workshops that I'm going to be doing. I want parents to really feel like, you know, because I've taught adult learners in a lot, a lot of times in, in my past. I worked in, you know, the military veterans upward bound program at University of Pennsylvania. Um, I've taught like adult learners in a, like a, a program where they, you know, had previously dropped out of high school and they're trying to go back and get their diploma, like 60 year old brothers and sisters and 30 year olds, 40 year olds, all ages and whatnot. Um, and just seeing that moment when they're like, oh, I get it now. Or, oh, it makes sense. Or where was you at 40 years ago when I was in algebra <laughs> one? And when I, I needed you. Like, miss, I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't have taught you, but, um, but yeah, so that's why like I really I really like enjoy like helping other people to understand, you know. Um, and the more I understand it, I'm like, you know what, this really isn't that hard. I also believe that there's a lot of negative propaganda around mathematics, which makes us feel like it's hard. And a lot of people approach math with this defeatist attitude and this belief that, you know what, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna get these questions questions wrong. It's gonna be too hard. So it like it kind of it kind of freezes and limits their cognitive ability when they go into math class because they already are pre-programmed with that idea that they're not going to do well. Mm. So I'm trying to kind of also like deprogram and reprogram people like, listen, like it's really not that hard and I can prove it to you. Now, you are going to have to practice. It's not sweet. You are going to have to practice because like even on the YouTube channel, like I tell people like, you know, I showed you how to do it. Now go get some practice because some people are under the misconception that you know, all it takes is like, you know, it's kind of like learning through osmosis. Like they think like, well, it's a, like it's like a spectator sport. I could watch you do it and then I'm going to automatically like be a master. You are like, nah, like I'm giving you the steps, but you got to actually practice and like roll your sleeves up, get your hands dirty and really do a bunch of problems. You're still going to make mistakes and that's OK, you know, but you're going to learn it. You know what I'm saying? So that's you know, that's that's why math is like, you know, really like personal to me because, you know, I know how it feels. You know, a lot of people don't know that they kind of assume they see me like making my posts on Facebook about all this math all the time. And, you know, they, you know, I'm, I'm tutoring and I'm helping people with math and I'm teaching math and I'm showing like, you know, examples of what I'm doing and I'm doing, I'm going to conferences and giving talks about math. So I think they fundamentally think that, well, this always came easy to him. Well, it didn't, you know, like not all the time, you know, and a lot of times I wasn't one of the students that would just get it a lot of times. I would just get it sometimes, but a lot of times I had to go home and study, I had to go home and mm-hmm. practice. So a lot of people don't know that either. So I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like, you know, to sit in the class and like you're looking up at the board and like, what, <laughs> what is he talking about? What is she talking about? And then at the same time, like you sit in class, you're in middle school or whatever. And it's like, you know, you need to ask a question, but you don't want to raise your hand because it's like the right. cute girl. You don't want her to think you're dumb. So you just kind of like embarrassed and shy, like, you know, so you end up not getting what you need, like not being an, an assertive student. So like, I know how all that feels because I've yeah. been there before. So I just want to like, you know, help people since I can kind of relate. I can relate right. to feelings. And that's what makes you, uh, uh, that's what makes you an effective teacher. And I say that to everybody, just like, uh, it'll be those embarrassing things. It'll be those embarrassing moments, 
that when we learn how to tap into them, they end up becoming our superpower, right? But so so many times it's just like, oh, you know, I'm I'm afraid to tell that story or, or I'm afraid to relive that experience. But really when we tap into it, it's, it's what makes us great at what we're doing. Like math was, uh, I would be one of those people that had the, 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 the negative um, relationship with math. Like, oh man, here this come. I didn't have that type of relationship with English. I didn't have that with, with history or whatever. But, um, you know, I almost didn't graduate high school uh, 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 because of math. On top of the fact, I got kicked out of high school. Uh, mm. but, 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 but before that, you know, uh, it was a math A regents exams in New York State. And right. I had taken this exam so many different times. I'm just like, man. But um, so because my relationship with math, you know, it was off. And uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that I had mentally told myself that I couldn't do it. And then I wasn't uh, giving myself any time to go ahead and really learn it. I was busy running the streets. And uh, when I when I got kicked out of school uh, midway through my senior year in high school, it was probably one of the best things that ever could have happened to me. Because it forced me to sit down. It forced me to take a forced me to reassess my own life and like, well, you know, Tyrell, unless you want to be running these streets here um, uh, for the rest of your life, unless you want to not graduate, you're going to have to spend some of your own time uh, uh, getting used uh, with math, getting comfortable with it. And shout out to my old math teacher, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Benson. Uh, but you know, he used to always try to break down math to me and say, you know, Tyrell, you know, it's a formula. Understand the formula. You know, you got it from there. But the way my brain is wired, uh, I always had to ask why. And I was just like, but why? But why? Right. He's like, Tyrell, stop asking the why. Just just do the formula. You'll get to where you're supposed to go. And I'm just like, but why? But right. why? But uh, long story short, was 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 so ironic is that uh, something that I hated uh, uh, earlier in my life, in my career, which was math, is something that I do uh, uh, regularly on a day-to-day -day basis now. You know, I think we're looking at like a, a $261 million budget uh, uh, right now in my job and, and, and looking at those numbers and trying to make cuts and stuff like that. And I teach financial literacy, uh, which is all about uh, numbers, more so about behavior uh, uh, with money than it is numbers, but it's about understanding your numbers and, 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 and how those numbers affect you and will kill you ultimately if you don't know how to budget. So right. it's just, it's just really funny how God has aligned my life to still be around this one thing that, you know, I avoided so much earlier in my life. Um, but when you allow those experiences, like I said, that ultimately become our superpowers, when you allow that, those experiences, to no longer hold you back or to no longer be embarrassed by them, but embrace them. It makes you a better uh, and effective communicator at what you're trying to communicate, which is why I'm sure you're a, a great professor because of your own experiences and realizing that process. Like you, you mentioned a word that I love earlier, introspection. You know, you went through that uh, through that process of examining your relationship with it, which ultimately helps you to relate to other people as you're teaching it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and shout out to the HBCUs too. I didn't get a chance to say this earlier, you know, but I I come from uh, uh, the greatest HBCU ever. You didn't mention that, and uh, I know I know we talked about Lincoln, we talked about Cheney, we talked about Morgan, uh, but we didn't talk about the Johnson C. Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know. But uh, you know, uh, uh, so shout out to all HBCUs, man, and um, yeah, uh, but Cheney was definitely the first. I don't care what Lincoln says. So. <laughs> they're going to come for you, man. They're gonna, they're gonna... <laughs> come on, man. Let me see. Um, uh, uh, one of the things that I, I definitely wanted to ask you, uh, because math is, like I said, it, it was something that presented a roadblock to me. I'm sure it's something that continues to present itself uh, as a roadblock to a lot of people, but it shouldn't. But a lot of it has to do with that mental defeat that we have. So as parents, most of us are adults. Uh, but like you said, you're working on a new program that uh, is is to be uh, more engaging with adults so that adults can understand the concepts. And then once we can understand those concepts, we can better explain them to our children. 
But um, tell uh, tell us more about that program and 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 what the hopes is uh, with that because I I think I was just telling you offline like last week I was doing uh, math with my son and uh, I'm I'm reading it. Because obviously, like you said earlier, math is more uh, it's more problem solving. If you really took the numbers away and just gave the problem, you still go back to math. Right. But um, anyway, I'm reading the the terminology. They asked this question. And I'm just like, what is what is what? What is that? And I'm just like, what is that? And I asked my wife and she didn't know it. But um, uh, I, I, I love uh, the principle behind this new emphasis and this new program. Uh, curriculum that you're uh, teaching. Tell us more about it. Yeah. So what I want to do is um, I'm going to be doing what I call new math parent workshops or all this math, new math parent workshops, right? Where I'm really just trying to like, you know, answer a call because I've, I've been consistently over the past 10, 15 years listening to, I've heard the concerns um, and the complaints from parents about, you know, the new math. And it's not like new math is kind of a is it's kind of a misnomer because it's 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 a it's a newer way it's a different way to expose um, math techniques and you know math tech term um, methodology I, sh I should say um, in terms of instruction which really you know speaks to the question of actually what you what you talked about earlier of of like why because like mm -hmm. there's a there's a heavier emphasis on okay why does this work and being able to let students see visually in a lot of a lot of ways whereas before it was just okay well, i'm going to give you the algorithm you memorize the algorithm and just you know work out the problem every time and then you know you finish one problem you go to the next one whereas now students are kind of being challenged to um kind of see conceptually develop a conceptual understanding you know for the mathematics different parents have different levels of perseverance i think it's based on different levels of confidence that they may have Parents that have more confidence in their ability when they see that homework assignment and it looks crazy and looks real foreign. Um, when they have more confidence, they're like, OK, you know what? Yeah, this looks crazy, but let me try to figure this out, figure out. online and look at a YouTube video. Let me call somebody. Let me ask somebody else. Some people with less confidence will say, OK, no, I don't know this. You know, what is this? Like, I know how to do long division. Your teacher's talking about partial quotients. What is a partial quotient? I never heard of that before in my life. They'll just shut down. So the workshops are really meant for uh, what well, it meant for all parents, you know, of, of different levels of confidence, but especially the parent that has very low confidence because I'm just trying to show them on the one hand, like the connection between the so-called old math with the so-called new math. Cause it's like, well, if you learned long division back in the day and now your child's doing the box method of division or partial quotients, I'm going to show you like how they're directly connected and how partial quotients make sense. And I'm going to break it down for you in a very conversational way. And we're all going to be in a relaxed atmosphere. You know, there's no test at the end. There's no, you know, you don't got to stress. You know, there's no exam. You know, it's just like, you know, we just, you know, adults in here just trying to understand some things, trying to make, make sense of some stuff. So that way, when your child comes home, you can feel like, you know, OK, I can help you. You know, and then you think about what that does to you, for your child, for your child to know, OK, well, when I get home, like even if I don't understand the teacher, even if I don't like the teacher, even if I think the teacher don't like me, you know what? I'm going to go talk to my mom about this. I'm going to go talk to my dad about this and have confidence to be able to say, yeah, my parents are going to be able to help me with this or my uncle or my, or, or my grandma, my granddad, whatever. Whereas a lot of children, a lot of children are like, uh, no, nah, I can't ask nobody in my house. Like, you know, so, <laughs> or, so I'm trying to address that. I'm trying to change that reality, right? Change the narrative, right? Um, and have us kind of just, you know, have more of us thinking like, yeah, I can, I can help my children with their homework. I'm, I'm equipped for this, you know, cause he, you know, this brother broke it down and made it make sense. And I see how, okay, all it is, is like, you know, it's only different from the method that I learned 30 years ago by like this one step, like this one step is different. And then, you know, it's got a different name and, you know, to be honest, like, you know, a lot of times you got to get the, these, a lot of teachers and, you know, whoever textbook editors they come up with different names for stuff so they can justify selling more books. Because <laughs> if I take the same method and I just give it a new a new label, now it's like, oh, now, now we got to sell a new book because now we're we calling it this now. So we can't use the old books, even though it's the same exact method, but I just flat the new label on it, you know? Um, so that's, you know, that's an economic thing. But um, but yeah, so I just I just want our community to, and the, the adults in the community to feel more, more comfortable with math themselves and really like, be able to kind of work through some of their, their own personal educational trauma that they had from when they were young, 
because something happened to a lot of us somewhere along the way we got to a point where i don't know whether it was a teacher that yelled at us or we got embarrassed in class or we just were so frustrated like in middle school or in high school and we just shut down and gave up you can come into this these workshops and, and feel like oh okay now i get it now so you can kind of get back on track because there was a disruption in your academic development and your intellectual development in the in the, in terms of mathematics so i'm trying to like help people get back on track and also what it does is increases the or, or kind of strengthens the familial bonds within the black community because one thing i think is taken for granted and i've been thinking about this a whole lot um in terms of like you know cause and effect that that homework time homework help time is very it's always been very significant once the homework help time ends or it's taken away because let's say well in the past if i understood the math i might be sitting down with you for 45 minutes every evening you know that's 45 minutes where we're doing math work together but now all of a sudden i don't know how to do the math work so that's 45 minutes that's being subtracted from you bonding with your child yeah. healthy and comfortable comfortable way so then i think about like the compound effect of that over yeah. time all that time that is lost because you know homework time is not just strictly about homework i mean you're talking about the homework but then you know you might be telling a story about something or you might that might you know trigger a, a positive memory and then you're sharing that with your child and whatnot and and y'all are getting to know each other better but you take away the homework time now all those opportunities are gone you know i mean of course you're still going to interact with your child in other ways but I'm talking about like the sum total of all of the time that's spent. So we're talking about that 45 minutes, you know, Monday through Thursday, at least, you know, it's just gone, you know? And then I wonder about like the long-term effects of that, like that child growing up, maybe it was some lessons that they could have learned from the child, some influence that, well, from the parent, some lessons, you know, that they could have learned, you know, in that time. And then maybe, unfortunately, when they get old, they get to like teenage years, especially for young brothers, maybe the streets start looking more inviting. The streets start looking more comfortable because of that lost, you know, bonding time with the parents. And then, you know, there's a lot of conversation about gun violence and, you know, things of that nature. Well, we I think we got to start reverse engineering a lot of, you know, these problems that we see in our communities and look, try to look for like the sources of where, you know, some of these these young adults or teenagers yes. where things were left. And we start looking at the source. And, and my belief is that one of the one of the reasons is that there's a loss in homework time. You know, and I think that can, that can that can be a significant contributing factor to why there's a lot of the issues in the community. Not the only issue, but like I said, yeah. a, a contributing factor among others. So, you know, if we can help the parents understand the math, then the parents will be able to be like, yo, OK, I'm going to help you with your homework. Let's sit down. Let's get to it. Yeah. Then, you know, it'll lead to some more positive outcomes. Yeah. And if, 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 uh, it just made me think about COVID. Think about think about when COVID happened. So uh, uh, for for parents, you know, we became uh, teachers, and a lot of people didn't uh, didn't want to unofficial teachers. Let me unofficial teachers, right? But nobody wanted that job. Everybody was just like, "Listen, when are we sending these kids back to school? Uh, we love you, teachers, so much. Oh my gosh, please, 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 because all we really wanted you to do is to take these kids back." Right? right. But we ended up having to learn a lot of those concepts. Like so, like you said, uh, there was like a, a um, uh, at some point it got severed, our relationship or or it never got or it never got repaired. Uh, something that got injured uh, with our relationship with math a long time ago, which ultimately still affects us as adults, just like any other problem that you don't deal with. It'll still carry around. You'll still uh, uh, carry it with you. You may find other ways of of covering it up or or not exposing it. But ultimately, I believe that what we don't learn how to do or what we don't learn how to correct, we end up sharing and passing on to our kids too, because we can't help prepare them if we don't even go back, like you said, and deal with that initial hurt, that initial teacher who told you that you're dumb, or you know that that kid who laughed at you for getting it wrong deal with those things from a now uh, more uh, a more healed aspect of life to realize that your relationship is also going to affect your kids relationship with it and it's better for you to be able to have a healthier relationship with it to help them so uh but i i, I think about covid like covid changed the game for 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 everything you know putting us in this virtual space where you know Microsoft Teams or Zoom or, you know, all of these avenues to 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 communicate and teach and interact 
are, are, are readily available now, but it also uh, exposed a lot of areas or a lot of room uh, where us as parents have to do a better job to be more engaged. So I love the the idea of, yeah, not only is it important for the scholars, the students themselves to understand the concept, because we grew up in a time period where uh, it was like, you know, well, I already got what you're trying to get. So you need to you need to pay attention. Right. But really, it's just like, well, you know, as a parent, I have to understand what it is that you're going through and what you're learning so that that way I can help you to go through it. And we end up going through it together. My kid, that same problem I, I said I didn't know the answer to, my son ended up breaking it down to me in a way that I was able to get it, right? And yeah. that's another uh, uh, thing that we, uh, a myth that we need to uh, get rid of. It's like, you're not supposed to learn from your kids. Because listen, when I don't know something, I very easily tell my kids, listen, I don't know. And I said, yeah. we're going to look it up together. We can go to YouTube or whatever, because uh, it helps them when they are up against something that, that they don't know to realize. Well, daddy always tells me that, you know, he doesn't know uh, uh, something when he doesn't know it. He knows what he knows, but if he doesn't know it, he'll tell me. So, yeah. you know, I took the uh, uh, advice and I watched my seven-year-old son explain this concept to me to a way that I was able to get it. And then we were able to get the correct answer for the problem as well. But, you know, parents got to be willing to uh, uh, forever learn the same way that we want our kids to also forever learn. Yeah. And it was a team effort. I like that. I like that. Team, yeah. Listen, team effort. I ain't got, listen, uh, yeah. my, uh, I go to my kids all the time. Hey, how do you do that? <laughs> so. Especially with the technology. I ask my, my children all the time, the technology, like this, because, you know, I you know, I, I don't think iPhone even makes instruction manuals, you know, like, so it's just like, you got to just find it out. Like the youth be knowing. They be, they be knowing stuff. <laughs> they be knowing, knowing. Oh, on the iPhone cal uh, calculator where you can like delete digits by just swiping. And then I go, I'm thinking, like, I go into my class, you know, my students at Cheney, they're like 18, 19 years old. I'm like, oh, did y'all know about this? They're like, yeah, we've been through that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> As old people, we won't be finding out about stuff till it's late. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, let me see. Let me see, man. I know, I know we've been doing all things math thus far, but uh, I, 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 I'm going to break us up a, a, a tad bit. And I actually just want to uh, I want to uh, uh, involve you in what's called rapid fire. So okay. 60 seconds of questions, which is going to allow me to engage with you and allow our audience to get to know a kill better professor um, uh, Parker better uh, as opposed to just the professional side of you. So would you indulge me in 60 seconds of rapid fire? Definitely. All I'm right. All for right. Here for Let it. me see. All yeah. right. First, first question for you is, uh, what is the best place to get a cheesesteak in Philadelphia? Man, that's a good question. Um, so I haven't been to every place in Philly, but I say out of the places I've been, probably I'm gonna go with Max's on Broad and Erie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All, right. Like, All right. Not the not the tourist traps that they always uh they always miss. Alessandro's. So I've heard I've heard great things about the De Alessandros. I haven't I haven't got a cheesesteak from there, ever, but I've heard people have yeah. high, highly recommended. Listen, man, I, uh, let me be quiet. Um, uh, our favorite favorite uh, musical group. I'm a music head. Uh, uh, tell me, you know, I, I can learn a lot about a person from music. Who's your favorite musical group? A group. So it'd probably be a rap group, and if it's a rap group, it's probably going to be. This is kind of unfair because there's so many of them, but uh, probably Wu-Tang. I knew you was going to say Wu-Tang. I knew you was going to say Wu-Tang. But it's like, you know, it feels like it's unfair because I don't know of any other groups that had that many members. So it's like, you know, it's like it's, it's difficult to like compare them to like, you know, a Tribe Called Quest or or even even the Locks or. Mm. um Yeah, but I got I got to go Wu-Tang if, if it's a group. I'm going to just, you know, that's like money for me. Okay. Okay. Shout out to the Wu. Uh, what is your greatest fear? Greatest fear. Um, my greatest fear is probably that I won't be able to prepare my children for the world that I brought them into. Mm -hmm. That that's one of the things that really drives me. You know, being able to you know do everything I can to have them prepared to be responsible 
you know, handlers of power, responsible, decent human beings, you know, um, as adults, not just adults, but as when they as teenagers or even, you know, um, you know, my son is my oldest is 18. My daughter's 11. My, my baby boy is four. Um, just, you know, I, I just I'm, my that's the thing I fear that, I, you know, is something that I might be lacking in that will pre prevent me from from giving them all that they need or my own issues, my own personal issues might stand in the way of me being able to prepare them for, you know, everything that they need. That's what I really fear because I'm like, that's not even fair, you know, because my issues shouldn't prohibit them from, you know, having the best life that they can have, you know? I agree, I agree. Let me see, if you could live anywhere in the world um uh, 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 where would it be and why so um unfortunately i have i've have only i've only been out of the country once i've only mm -hmm. been out of the united states once and that, that was only that really that really wasn't even far that was only to canada I just went to toronto um years back um i would probably say the continent of africa um not sure which country or which city in which country i'm thinking maybe either ghana or mm -hmm. you know maybe over on the east coast or the east side maybe tanzania kenya um and why just because you know it's the motherland you know from everything I've studied about it um everything i've you know all the positive that i've seen you know even with a lot of the you know challenges with you know colonialism and you know but even still i think the the positive probably still far outweighs the negative Absolutely. so that's what i probably say Absolutely. And if um, if uh, if you had to choose one, what would your favorite holiday be? Favorite holiday. It's a good one. It's a good one. Last one for rapid fire. My, my favorite holiday is a, is, a, is a politically incorrect holiday um, because it's Thanksgiving. Right. Mm. So, we know we we know we know more now about you know what Thanksgiving really stands for, um, but at the same time, but it is, it is one of my contradictions because it's about the fellowship and about you know the family uh, spending time with family, and and always you know I, I have such such positive memories you know growing up you know um, especially because my family like we I was born in New York but we re we relocated moved to Baltimore. I grew up in Baltimore, spent my formative years in Baltimore, but every mm. year Thanksgiving break was something to look forward to because I got to go back to either New York. New York was my mother's side. And Jersey was my dad's side. So I would be back there for Thanksgiving. So it's something I would just always look look forward to. So I got such an emotional, you know, connection to that, to that holiday. So, but, but, but again, like I said, we, we know more now. So it motivates me to try to, you know, do more, do more to try to, you know, make the world a better place mm. because, and you know, that it's, it's like a reminder that, mm. you know, while it's a positive experience for me and thanks at Thanksgiving, it wasn't, it wasn't so positive for, you know, a lot of people, you know, okay. Um, okay. Um, I'm, I'm laughing. This is probably going to be the worst joke ever, but uh, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway, because I'm, I'm authentic. So it's, it, it, it makes me think about, you know, because I know we're talking about Thanksgiving. We're talking about the um, the nostalgia that you have, that you share. I have it too, right? And But then it's also like uh, 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 the nostalgia of the holiday itself, what it means for us, the family, the food. But then it's like coming into a newness and a new knowledge and then realizing that Christopher Columbus and the word Tamalo and what he was really doing to uh, to the natives. Right. It, it was horrible. And what's what's funny was that I I almost took a teaching job right right after right after uh, undergrad. I almost ended up in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Um, and I, and I almost took a teaching job because, you know, I, I, I love the, the power and the impact that a teacher has. I don't like the teacher's salary, but I love the, uh, the power and the impact that, that, uh, that a teacher, a teacher has. And in the first course that I, the, the, you know, you have to, uh, uh, 
do uh, put a curriculum together and they, and they want to see your involvement. And I, I talked about Christopher Columbus and, and realizing and, and just doing a deep dive on that just to just to do the presentation. I was just like, man, just like they did not teach us this. And, right. and, uh, and what's the name? But it made me think about it. It was just like, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Because it's just like R. Kelly gave us such a beautiful body of work. And it's just like, after everything that came out with R. Kelly, this was the bad joke. Which is like, do, do I not listen to him at all anymore? Can I not? So, you know, it's kind of like Thanksgiving. It's like, do I got to get rid of all my good memories because of Christopher? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge, but I think that, you know, I think that there are ways that we can repurpose it, you know, if we're, if we are, you know, really repurposing it and then we got to consider, you know, we live in, you know, a society where, you know, like we don't control like when the holidays are. So we don't really control when we have the opportunity to go like visit family that we haven't seen in a long time. So, you know, we take advantage of, you know, those opportunities and, you know, there, I mean, I guess it's just one of our, one of our many contradictions as humans, we have a lot of contradictions. Um, I try to minimize my contradictions, you know, at, at, to the best of my ability. But I think that I guess it's like, you know, about your, your you know, it's is it a net positive when we look at all of our mm. actions, activities yeah. and behaviors? Is it a net positive or is it a net negative? You know, mm. so it's like, yeah, we might, you know, recognize Thanksgiving. But at the same time, we also recognize, you know, the slaughter and the genocide and everything. And then, you know, if on a daily basis, you know, 365 uh, days out of the year, we're trying to work to make the world a better place to like, you know, end the types of genocide that are going on now and create a world where genocide will never happen. Then I think that, I think that begins to make up for it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, what was it? Well, something else you said I was going to go back to, we'll forget it. If it comes back to, well, thank you for indulging in, in rapid fire. Like I said, I, I really uh, uh, enjoy that one. Um, but I enjoy this next question the most out of four seasons of doing the back community. Uh, this is probably uh, 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 one of my favorite questions. Um, um, if you were to define success, uh, Akil, um, how, how does success or how would you define success for you? helping to build the strongest black community that I possibly can. And, you know, being part of a, a strong collective, a strong group, people that are like self-actualized, people that are healthy in all the different ways of, of health that it, that exist. And um, yeah, just being, being part of a strong, a strong community and a healthy community and being able to say that I contributed to that in a significant way. Okay. Was uh, uh, would you say that's always been uh, uh, your goal or your definition of success, no. or do you think it's uh, it's um, changed? Yes. Okay. Um, um, earlier in life, I was much more, especially like you know, I would say around co after college, in, during college, um, after college, and in my twenties, was much more individualistic. You know, just you know, get the money, get the get the job, get the money, get the you know, um, the material trappings, yep, but. Yep. You know, as you progress and as you grow and, and then especially being, we're being a teacher and then like being with young people on a regular basis and then like really, and then like also studying certain, studying different things, studying different things and learning about different worldviews and different political views. And then, you know, I, I've made a shift toward being more collectivist, you know, more mm -hmm. of a type person and kind of privileging the community over myself as an individual, but also realizing that, if the community grows and the community wins, if I'm part of that community, then by default, I win anyway. Facts. As a other route and saying, well, I think some people like they don't believe the community can win. So they just say, well, I got to look out for me and my, my me and my immediate circle. And that's it. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand, you know, how a person can can get to that uh, way of thinking. But um, yeah, I just I just have more confidence. I just have more confidence that, you know, we can we can win as a group. Okay, you know, I like that. I like that. Uh, you know, I think um, um, I think you're even challenging me right now, uh, just on that one on that one thought. And it's just that you know, I think in a lot of ways, one, it's very important to you know, I, I live by this philosophy: audit your circle, 
right? So constantly look at the people who you are surrounding yourself with and realize or ask yourself if this uh, person, uh, he or she is, you know, um, positioned in my life where they need to be or or, or, ha- or have we grown out of alignment with one another. And mm-hmm. to be able to have the ability to audit your circle is is, is, is very important because, your circle and the people that you keep yourself around ultimately can help to build you up or to build you or, or to break you down. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, to not as, uh, encourage you to aspire to be all that, all that you can be. So, you know, you want to look at it from a macro level and say, you know, I want us all to win. Right. You know, what did uh, Issa Rae say? Was that Issa Rae? You know, I'm, I'm rooting for everybody black. Right. Mm-hmm. I want us all to win. But the reality is that, you know, everybody's not going to be able to win with you. And uh, I I live by quality over quantity. And Mm -hmm. I realized that aligning myself with like-minded individuals, like you said earlier, you know, that, that believe uh, similar things and and, and have a view towards uh, uh, a progress is very important because everyone doesn't share it. And I'm okay realizing that everyone doesn't share it. And now where I'm at uh, now being 40, you know, I, I realized that earlier in my life, I had a philosophy of I'm trying to save everybody. Right. But then I've also realized that, you know, sometimes you want it more for other people than uh, they want it for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with that, too. You know, because one of the things I heard Benny Siegel say on an interview um, might have been drink champs. He said, um, one of the things, one of the most important things he's learned, you know, throughout his career as a rapper is that everybody can't go, hmm. you know, um, and that could be hard. That could be hard because, like, you know, you want everybody to go. And then you got to realize that, like, everybody don't really want to go. They may claim they want to go, but, you know, going actually requires a price. And everybody may not be willing to pay that price, you know, so you can help them, but they'll let you know pretty easily if they if they really want to go so yes and let me see man um so you are uh professor parker you are dad you Mm -hmm. are author you are entrepreneur uh how do you maintain a healthy work-life balance well that's pretty easy um i don't (laughs) i don't gotta be honest i don't uh, I wish I, I wish I could. Um, I think I'm in a, I'm at a place now where um, I'm making some sacrifices right now so that I will be able to, because uh, I have, I have certain goals in mind and I'm kind of, you know, I'm doing too much right now. I've, I'm, 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 if I take an honest assessment um, of my life right now, I'm probably, I probably am doing too much and I do need more hours in a day, or I need to figure out ways to delegate responsibilities. But then I guess my hold up with that is like, even that has its own learning curve, like how to appropriately delegate responsibilities, who to bring into the mix and, and all of that. But um, I mean, I try to, I try to slow down. I do try to slow down sometimes though, because what I've also learned is that, you know, your body will let you know, you know, your body, you know, you'll get, you'll get sick or whatever. Like, you know, I caught, I thought I was going to make it through the whole pandemic without catching COVID. I hadn't caught it. And I felt like I was special or something, you know what I mean? And then I ended up catching COVID like at the end, like last November, I didn't get COVID until mm. last, last November. I thought, and I'm like, damn, I thought COVID was over. Like, so I, ended up, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I think this is a sign, man. Like I'm, my body's telling me like, you got to chill, bro. Like you're doing too much, man. Like, so, um, but you know, and I, and I'm a type of person, like I, I rarely ever get sick, you yeah. know, I like usually catch colds. I mean, I do, but it's, it's kind of rare. Um, but yeah, my, you know, your, your body will remind you. So sometimes I do try to, you know, slow down and, you know, sit down for a minute, but, but yeah, but yeah, right, right now I, I don't really, I wish I could answer that question and give some, some advice to, to some people, but I can't, you know, cause I, I don't have to work the work life balance, um, at least not right now. You know, um, yeah, yeah. There's a, I appreciate. I want. I want to shout out a, a brother who wrote a book. Um, I haven't read his book yet, but I did grab a copy of it. Brother, uh, who lives, I think he lives out in Cleveland. He wrote a book called "Heal Thy Hustle." You might want to have him on on your program because I think his book is actually about that. It's about you know people um, 
you know, that, that are active, you know, doing a lot, moving, moving and shaking, you know, trying to get things done, trying to like, you know, build institutions and, um, you know, change the world and whatnot, but also showing how, how to create that work-life balance, you know? So I need to, this, this is a good reminder. I need to pick up his, I need to, I think the book is like, if it's not back here, it might be, it's around, it's in this, it's in this library somewhere. Um, um, yeah, I need to, I need to grab that though. But yeah, he might, he might be a good guest too. Okay. You know, okay. I want to shout him out. He's a, he's a good brother. You know. All right. All right. Listen. Well, uh, 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 definitely at uh, at him on 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 uh, on this post. Uh, uh, once I uh, uh, once I get it out to the world, I either send it to me. But uh, I always take uh, I always take recommendations, uh, especially if it comes from uh, a current guest. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let me see, man. I got two more questions for you. I'm gonna let you go, Kill. Right. Um, what about your life's path? Are you most proud of? Um, my ability is to circle back. I think like when I was, when I was born, I was born into, I was born to parents that were like in the 1980s, early 1980s, they were, you know, young and they were, you know, into like, you know, black nationalism and pan-Africanism and they had certain values that they, you know, attempted to instill in me. And even though I think around my teenage years and early twenties, I kind of strayed away from that. And I was able to come back to it because, you know, that foundation was was still there. So, you know, I'm just kind of like, I guess, what, what do they say? Like the prodigal son has returned, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, because the foundation was there when I got older and then I started getting around certain elders and started getting exposed to certain information, I guess it just it felt it felt right. and It felt comfortable. And it was like, yeah, I need to kind of get back on this path because that's kind of, you know, what was kind of instilled in me like from birth. So I'm just I'm, I'm I'm thankful that you know my parents were able to you know instill instill those those values and those ideas and that worldview like within me you know and it's it's really influenced me to you know influence everything that I do and like you know the work I do with math and just you know realizing that you know how important education is in terms of liberation and achieving liberation and math being such an integral part of the overall education landscape you know it's really a it's really a, a it's really a, a, a political, you know, approach, you know, to uh, to education and, and how I view math. So, yeah, I'm very, very thankful for that. OK, OK. And my last official question for you on the back community is going to be this. Um, I read all of the time. So I uh, so I'm, I'm, I've been enjoying just looking at your library back there. Uh, um, but, um, you know, I I think successful people end up identifying other successful people and then they also try to pick apart what makes that person successful right i think that most successful people have a core uh a core strength of characteristics that uh, uh that they all display obviously it's going to show up differently for for different people but um um i say that to to ask who motivates you like who are you listening to currently? What are you currently reading? Uh, what are you currently listening to? And the reason why I ask is because I think it's equally important to understand what fuels you uh, yeah. as you continue to uh, fuel uh, your students and the parents and the communities that you're working with. So what are you listening to uh, or who are you listening to or who do you recommend that we check out? Well, actually today, since you ask. Um, on my way to work. That's that's the only thing. So the only thing I, I dislike, well, I guess I like it too, about teaching at Cheney is my commute. Because I live in North Philly and Cheney is about an hour away from Philly. Mm -hmm. So in that time, you know, I end up, you know, doing my drive time university thing. Um, today I was listening to some Amos Wilson, you know, Bob, the late Amos Wilson, African-centered psychologist, um, author, wrote several books. Um, uh, you know, the blueprint for black power, developmental psychology of the black child, awakening the African African genius of children, um, black uh, black male adolescent violence. Um, you know, different different books. You know that really speak to from a psychological level, from a psychological perspective, our condition. You know, as a people, but also looking at it like you say on a, on a macro level, mm. and understanding like how our experience um, from enslavement 
um, from Jim Crow and all, all of these types of things have also affected our, our psyche. You know, so I was lis- listening to him today, um, actually currently reading a book about the Republic of New Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, a political movement, if anybody listening, um, a political movement that was meant to kind of like in lieu of um, uh, uh, relocating and leaving, leaving the United States, you know, a group of people got together and said, you know, in, in, in a, I guess as a type of reparations, we as black people should be given five states in the Southeast United States. And we just live there and benefit from the land um, and basically just create a nation within a nation. Um, and this is real, real fascinating stuff, real fascinating stuff um, in terms of like, you know, like the, the, the planning and the, just the ideas that they had, you know, um, and I, I saw on recently in a documentary last year that uh, Rosa Parks was actually affiliated with um, the Republic mm-hmm. of New Africa, some of their some of their thoughts and Chokwe Lumumba, who was the, you know, originally from Detroit, but was the, the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi before he passed away. And now his son. Antar Chokulamuba is, is the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi now. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of the challenges that the black community in Jackson, Mississippi has and has had for many years are due to, you know, black people trying to, you know, organize and, and work independently and gain a land, gain land, a, a land base, you know, um, in Mississippi, you know, namely, you know, because Mississippi was, you know, I mean, America's America, but, yeah. and, you know, like, you know, Mal- like Malcolm said, like, well, you know, if, you, if you're south of the Canadian border, you're south. But, you know, so I don't want to make it seem like Mississippi was was, you know, worse. Um, I think it was worse in certain ways, but we have to be clear that, you know, America is America. Like, you know, yeah. you can experience that type of racism all over the place. Yeah. And all New the- York all- State had the highest level of slaves. Most people don't re- really realize. But, right. But yeah. What- New Jersey was the last state to like ratify what the Thirteenth Amendment, I think, or so- something like that. So all these things, like I didn't know when I was a child, because you know, watching television and growing up, you know, you kind of get kind of this propaganda that like you know the North is where the good white people are, and the South is where the bad white people are, and you know, you should be thankful to just be up north, you know. And then you realize, like, wait, well, you know, I'm here, and you know, I'm in I'm in Baltimore, and that's not a really a northern state, but it's right below the Mason Dixon line, but this white man just called me the N word. Mm-hmm. You know what's what's going on? Like, wait, this isn't what I this isn't what the media has been has been telling me. But um, but yeah, so there's, I just been studying, you know, Republic of New Africa, um, recently, and um, yeah, but a, a lot of things before that, I guess simultaneously because I didn't finish this book yet, I was reading the PayPal Wars. You know, because mm-hmm. I somebody about uh, what's his name um. The guy that founded PayPal, not uh, so Elon Musk didn't found didn't found PayPal. He founded another company that was actually trying to do the same thing. They ended up merging companies, and then because you know some creative differences, they kicked Elon out. Um, mm-hmm. He was still on the board, I think, but he was the CEO at one point. They got rid of. Is it like Peter Peter Thiel or somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that took a because uh, I had read this article about this guy like using a Roth IRA to like finding loopholes in the Roth IRA and turning like $2,000 into like, you know, 5 billion or something like that. Cause he, he did some type of like maneuvering and whatnot. So I, then, you know, he was one of the founders of PayPal. So I was like, well, let me learn about PayPal. I mean, I've been using PayPal for a long time. Mm-hmm. I used to back in 06, when I found out about eBay, I started like buying sneakers on eBay. So I was, I was feeding my, I was feeding my sneakerhead habit on eBay and I was using PayPal. So I was like, you know, this is interesting. <laughs> Of, of this company and you know that was kind of enlightening you know learning like about different like business practices and the marketing that they had to do as a as a startup company in the, in the tech industry late 90s early 2000s um so yeah those are just two random random books okay. that i just okay. okay but yeah but i'm usually like on on youtube listening to a lot of like african-centered scholars and you know just trying to Trying to trying to learn their perspectives because you know it's like it's it's not as it's not it's not mainstream. So anything that's not mainstream, I'm always trying to like you know study and learn learn about that because I'm also trying to figure out well why is it that this is not mainstream? You know. Mm. Okay. Okay. And I got a shout out to uh, 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 Asada Shakur, and I know we were just talking about yeah. everything from Mississippi to to New York, and then how uh, uh, when New Jersey decided to to join, but. 
whenever I'm on the Jersey Turnpike, I always think about Asada uh, Shakur, right? And you know, and 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 reading and reading her, uh, and reading her book, you know, is one of the things that always stood out to me. Just like you know, at understanding the 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 racist the racist history and 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 yep. Yep. Uh, understanding the racist history in, in New Jersey. So when I, I, I was I was going to make I was going to make sure I, I came back away because your sweater is too dope to not to not highlight it. So but uh, that was a great point right there where we we're just talking about how America is America. Right. And it has its historical pockets and racist uh, history uh, in uh, all of these different branches, whether you're in the north or in the south. But um, dope sweater. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, um, uh, uh, how can uh, 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 my audience find you? Uh, 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 tell us how we can find you on social media. Tell us uh, how we can find you uh, uh, at your website. And when do you expect to have uh, the uh, the new series of talks, the new series of trainings for the adults uh, available, and how can we uh, consume those? Please let us know how to uh, stay up with all the uh, all this math. So on the social media platforms, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, I have a Twitter account, but I don't use it that often. Um, it's all this math. So at all this math, um, we also have a website, allthismath.com. Um, the book is available on Amazon currently. So the book, How to Use All This Math, Volume 1, you see that's supposed to be uh, my daughter, Asada. She's in a lot of my videos because I'm also modeling for parents, you know, that, you know, this is how you can teach your own child. And, you know, I'm a math professor and a math teacher, but primarily I'm a father. I'm a father right. first, right, before I'm even, you know, a professor or a teacher um, in the public sphere, um, you know, within my own household, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a father. Um so this is available on Amazon, How to Use All This Math, Volume 1. And the new math uh, parent workshops, I'm not, so I'm, I'm currently partnering with like organizations um, in schools. Um, so it'll be in service of their parents, but I want to open, I'm trying to figure, I'm still trying to work out like how I can just open it up to, you know, the public, what the best way to do that would be, uh, what makes the most sense. Um, um, so yeah, but definitely like stay on the lookout, like keep in touch on social media, um, follow what we're doing, you know, at all this math. Um, also on Facebook, um, my government name, Akil Parker. And also on Instagram, Akil underscore Latif. So Akil right. underscore Latif on Instagram. Those are the personal pages, but a lot of my math content is on it because, you know, I'm, I'm all this math all day. So, you know, I'm, I'm usually, even, even if it's, you know, I'm always trying to find like, you know, you know, math connections and like, you know, math relationships to, you know, even popular culture things or, you know, other stuff that's that's going on in the world. Cause because it really is like, you know, math is, you know, the Absolutely. language of the language of the universe. So it only makes sense that, you know, anything that we experience as human beings, you know, there's a math connection to it some kind of way. If you're, you know, you just gotta be able to see it. Absolutely. Culturally relevant learning. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh uh Akil, I can't thank you enough. And I just learned your daughter's name, which is even more dope because we were talking about Asada Shakur, but I heard you drop a little nugget in there. That was even dope. Uh, that, uh, 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 that was dope by itself. But I can't thank you enough for affording me your time. Thank you for being on the back community. Um, I, I hope everybody goes out. I'm going to go out and go grab me a copy uh, of Volume 1 myself. I should have had it already, but I didn't. But I'm going to grab me a copy of Volume 1 because it's very important for me to be able to uh, 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 as my kids continue to uh, matriculate, uh, be able to connect with them in all in, in all ways and all things math. But um, uh, uh, thanks for being on the platform, bro. I can't wait to get this out uh, 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 to uh, uh, to the world. And I wish you continued success in all things that you do, man. And I'll play catch up with you next time. Thanks, bro. Good to, good to meet you. Good to sit here and chop it up with you, man. Likewise, likewise, man. Have a good day. You too, brother. Peace. Peace.